Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Um, I'm the host, Austin, here as usual, um, and today I've got Tori with me. Hello. How's it going, Tori? I'm good. I'm sleepy, but good. That's good. I think we're all a little bit sleepy. <laughs> I'm actually doing pretty good. I had some coffee before we started recording, so I am doing a-okay. Um, but uh, actually, this week we have a member of the Third Impact team that has actually never appeared on this podcast before, and that is, you know, uh, nepotism incarnate. My brother Andrew is here. How's it going, Andrew? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, doing real good. I really enjoyed the film, uh, and I'm glad to talk about it. I'm really happy. Really happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks, brother. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you are. You are welcome, brother. You, as I wipe the kiss off my off my cheek. But yeah, Andrew, thanks for coming on here, and uh, we appreciate all the writing that you've done for the site. Um, you want to tell the folks a little bit about, like, what your you know anime background is, and uh, what you're you know most interested in, and what you're writing about. Sure. Um, so the first thing I did writing for the site was uh, a review of New Game. Uh, I just got done finishing. I just got. Sorry, I just finished it. And uh, Austin was like, "You wanna? Do you wanna write it? Do you wanna do a review about it and write it on the site?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, sure." Um, and I really enjoyed writing it. Uh, I've been taking a lot of uh, English classes lately, and uh, so this, you know, helps me get better at writing. And what better way to get better at writing than just to write about stuff you like, you know? Yeah. And uh, how long have you been going to anime conventions? Uh. That's a hard question to answer. I don't know the exact number. My memory's very bad. I can uh, tell you how long you've been going to anime conventions, because you've been going as long as I have. You, your first anime convention was in 2010. 2010? Yeah. Jeez. That was my first anime convention. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Jeez. Ew. But you were younger than I was at that point, so I feel like you, a little bit more so than me, have you know, gone through your formative years in, in part going through anime conventions. I can tell you the first like serious anime I fell in love with was Angel Beats for some reason. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember watching it and finishing it and then like being sad as I went to baseball practice because <laughs> like I just got done finishing it and I didn't know what to do with my life anymore. And you know, it's Angel Beats. But now I look back on that show and I think it's, average because my tastes have been refined and now I'm a snobby anime You're fan. You're a man of culture. I'm a man of culture. I'm yeah. a man of that loves Yotsuba. <laughs> I am I am in love with that manga. It's so good. Everyone this is all right, this is just gonna become a plug for the Yotsuba manga. You know, just if you haven't read it, please do me a favor. Read it. It's so good. And check out your uh, weekly reviews for the site. You're doing Mitsuboshi Colors and Miss Koizumi's uh, Ramen Noodles. Ramen Noodles. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. That. Yeah, check those out. They're good. I, yeah. I'm, you know, having fun with colors and... Uh, Koizumi is still, you know, to be determined on whether I like it or not. Mm -hmm. But, you know... Well, maybe you can talk a little bit about it more whenever we do our um, yeah, season preview yeah, mm -hmm. I'll in a couple about, weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, um, again, thanks for thanks for coming on your inaugural podcast, and um, happy to have both of you here. And uh, really excited to be talking about this film. Uh, we recently got back from the Fathom Events screening of Mary and the Witch's Flower, uh, the first uh, post Studio Ghibli film being released by uh, some former Studio Ghibli staff. 
um, from Studio Panak. Um, it was directed by the same guy who directed um, uh, The Secret World of Arietti and When Marnie Was There, which I know all three of us really enjoyed that film mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. I need to pick up that Blu-ray because I really want to watch it again. But um, yeah, so we're just going to chat for a little bit about um, Mary and the Witch's Flower and basically like how that went and what our th thoughts were about it. So basically the plot of this film is we have our main character, Mary, um, she's this little girl. She's probably around like 10 years old. She she reminds me a lot of Kiki, honestly. Um, but she seems a little bit younger than Kiki. Um, and she's this um, very energetic girl uh, that has just moved to this new town. Her parents work all the time, so she hangs out with her great aunt um, for most of her days. And her housekeeper, I guess. I think that was her housekeeper. Yeah, yeah. whoever that uh, other lady was. But... Um, She's kind of a klutz. She can't really... She feels like there's really nothing that makes her, like, special or very talented. And she's sort of just getting adjusted to this uh, new town that she has moved into in uh, somewhere in the countryside of Great Britain. And uh, she meets this uh, boy in the town named Peter. And he has these two pet cats uh, that she meets. And one of these cats leads her uh, out into these mysterious woods near her house... Um, and they find this uh, strange glowing flower thing just growing in the ground. And um, we learn later that this is a like a flower with like magical properties mm -hmm. um, called um, fly by night. Fly yeah. by night yeah. And that's that's what the flower is referred to as. It's it's the it's the same flower from the title, like the witch's flower. That's what this one is supposed to be. And then a lot of events happen, and she finds this magic broom, and this broom takes her, sort of whisk, wisps her away to this um, magical, like, Harry Potter magic school place um, where she meets the, the headmistress of the school and, like, one of the lead professors who's this sort of maniacal but not necessarily evil, per se, like, scientist dude um, there, and they, like they learn that she has like this incredible magical power because of this flower that she found um and they want to enroll her in the school and like use her power to help them make their like weird experiment things mm -hmm. um they're basically like making um i guess spoiler warning cuz that's that's basically what i just said is the um like the basic plot synopsis that's how the movie like starts out um but then you know, as of this point, I'll talk a little bit more about spoiler territory. So if you don't want to listen to it, um, just skip neck to the next part or whatever. But like the headmistress and the scientist are like working together with this magical power to try and like synthesize these like almost homunculus type creatures, like combining different animals into each other to make like new creatures. And they eventually want to do it with humans, and that's, like, the central conflict of the whole movie, um, like, in the physical world, I guess, um, is that these two um, magic people want to, you know, experiment on people, and Mary and her friend Peter get sort of roped into all this, and then the movie plays out, and then all of that sort of stuff. So um, that's the basic plot synopsis of it. Um, I guess first, let's talk about the, um, I guess let's talk about the visuals. Like, what did you guys think? Like, you can go ahead and go first, Andrew. Uh, like. Sure, it was like, uh, it definitely reminded me sort of like a mix between 
sort of like Frankenstein meets Alice in Wonderland mm -hmm. meets like medieval uh, Little Witch Academia. Uh, it was certainly very interesting. You could tell it pulled a lot from from all of those things I just mentioned mm -hmm. because uh, a lot of the architecture at the school looked a lot like it was very colorful and very uh, different. Some of it looked like uh, Eastern European architecture. Some of it looked like uh, general like German architecture. Uh, and uh, there was a short documentary um, about sort of like the making uh, after the film was over. And uh, was it the director? It was the director and the producer. The, okay. Yeah. The director and the producer talked about how they'd gone to uh, to England to spot, to look for, uh, what's it called? Spot C? What's the one? Spot C? No, it's like uh, looking for... Like visual references. I don't remember right, exactly yeah. what There's a term for said, it. I yeah. can't remember what it is. But yeah. uh, they said that they went to... Location English. scouting. That's Location the one. Scouting. Yeah. Uh, or was it hunting? It may have been hunting. Either one. Doesn't scouting, hunting, it doesn't matter. Uh, they said that they had gone to England to location hunt or scout or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, you could definitely tell that they uh, really tried to make it feel like England instead of Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh and they had talked about how uh, a lot of anime that that takes place in other places these days just are do it on photography, and they talked about the importance of uh, mm -hmm. actually going out and seeing what they want to draw and picturing in their minds. Am so, I? So that's cool, yeah. yeah, am I remembering correctly that he said that um, that wasn't that wasn't really a thing in Japan until like. Ghibli basically pioneered it. Like, I don't think he necessarily said it wasn't a thing. Yeah, it but, wasn't a big deal yeah, until mm -hmm. like Ghibli really started to do it and make it more commonplace. Right. Mm -hmm. He more attributed it to Takahata and Miyazaki as people. Like yeah. that's how they worked early on, even before they started with Studio Ghibli. Mm -hmm. Because like when he mentioned the series Heidi, that was something that they worked on with. Uh, I, I want to say either Toei or TMS. Like yeah. way way in like the early seventies. Mm -hmm. um, and it was interesting that he pointed that out, like that that element of it to really like you go out there and you experience these things for yourself and then mm -hmm. it becomes like a part of your imagination yeah. because you can, you know, you can stand in these foreign places that you're trying to realize in the world of film and then really just, you know, go back to those experiences that you have and remember mm -hmm. what it smelled like, remember what it felt like, remember what the weather was like that day yeah. and you can pour all of that stuff into the way that you animate mm -hmm. and that is a lot more immersive and communicates a lot more than something if you're like just trying to you know convey the same feeling by just having looked at a photograph or mm -hmm. just having like watched a clip or watched a movie that took place in like rural England sure. or something yeah. like that mm -hmm. and that was an interesting thing that they pointed out um so how did you feel about it like visually and aesthetically from your end Tori? Um, it was beautiful. It reminded me, there were, okay, so, uh, one of my favorite Ghibli movies is Howl's Moving Castle. Mm -hmm. Basically for the scenery. Like, just every time I think of that movie, I think of the scene where Hal takes Sophie to the cottage and they're just in that huge field of flowers. And, um, there were some scenes during, you know, this film where immediately I was taken to that and how much I love that 
kind of wide open like field full of flowers and little ponds and mm -hmm. things like that. And um, I think that's something that um, these particular artists are really, really good at capturing. Like I've never felt a strong need to be like, oh, I've got to go, you know, see what Britain has to offer. But, you know, knowing this is where they take a lot of um, inspiration from with like the buildings and the, just the greenery and things like that. I'm like, okay, I need to book a plane ticket now <laughs> because I need to experience this in real life. Yeah. Like I, I need to just see this like actually with my own eyes um, because it's the way, you know, they capture it in these movies just makes me so taken aback. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I guess that would be, I mean, to kind of be a little bit cynical here, like, mm -hmm. it's, this movie, at least aesthetically, is almost indistinguishable from a Ghibli film. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. and, I mean, a lot of people would say that is a good thing, but, I mean, I'm the type of person that is always looking for something new and different, mm -hmm. especially, like, because even though Studio Panak is, like, made up of former Ghibli staff, it's like, I don't want them to just sort of, like, go down in their legacy as being, mm -hmm. like, Ghibli 2, Electric right. Boogaloo. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. and I, I went on that whole rant earlier, and um, it's hard not to do it with this studio, especially since they're so, like, interconnected. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that style's there. Like, that's not something, um, unfortunately, I think they can really break away from. Mm -hmm. But I think it definitely is unfair to look at other animated films and be like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's Ghibli, that's... You know, always, always comparing something that's an animated movie to Ghibli that mm -hmm. discredits, you know, these other people trying to do something different sure. and make their own standalone works. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd feel really terrible as an artist if, uh, you know, somebody saw my film and they were like, yeah, that's great. It's just like Ghibli. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I, I hope that and I feel like they probably just did it this way to play it safe early on. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a little bit more to say about that in terms of the story, I guess, a little bit later. But right. I, I really want this studio because they're clearly talented people. Like, yeah. clearly, like this film is absolutely beautiful. The character designs are great. I mean, it just follows right into the steps of mm -hmm. of what this director had previously previously done with Marnie mm -hmm. and Arietti. Yeah. yeah. And just follows that whole Ghibli spirit. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely, you know, as they make more films, I do want them. I, I do want to see them sort of progress and become their own identity. Yes. Yeah. Like so. Whereas we can see Studio Panak as something that is, you know, out of Ghibli, but is also something new. Mm -hmm. um, Willing to kind push of like a child. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess we can talk about the story a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I guess this is where I had most of, I guess, my personal issues, but they're very, very small issues, very small issues, but I'll let okay. you guys go first. So Andrew, what did you think about the story? Uh, the story was, was, was fine. Um, it wasn't anything too uh, new or groundbreaking. You could definitely tell that it had taken parts from Harry Potter and really tried to sort of stay with that um i did like the fact that um mary herself it was not magically talented and mm -hmm. she uh and that and that was a thing that was established and uh i think that her arc was very good because you could tell that she is very driven and wanted to do wanted to do good but she's just kind of a a klutz at the beginning uh but like as the film goes on she definitely 
grows as a character and that's one thing that i really value uh in story uh and that's when uh it movies are driven by character instead of plot um definitely stories where plot drive stories just aren't very interesting to me uh and anything that's super character driven which this is to most to a certain extent especially with mary but just with mary not a lot of the other characters get vastly characterized i'll say for lack of a better word yeah i'll definitely agree with that and i i that's kind of where some of my my uh, critiques for the film lie it's like the the character with the most you know dynamacy i guess if that's even a word i don't even know Katamari Damacy, anyway. Um, the character with with the most... That word. Um, is definitely Mary. Um, and I appreciate that because your, main, your lead character needs to be dynamic. They need to go through that character growth and show that progression and all that. And she does. But, like, I don't know. I found Peter to be very... A little bit stale. Um, the villains, like, I understand where they were coming from about them wanting to portray villains as, like, not evil people, but as, like, people who are genuinely trying to do the right thing. Yeah, there isn't necessarily a, a, a quote, pro, a, a quote, antagonist. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they are antagonistic forces, but they're not, I villains mean. in the technical yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not, like, mwahaha villains. They're sort of, like, people that just do bad things but they have good intentions and mm -hmm. sometimes the way that they go about getting what they want is like unsavory but they're not like yeah. they're not like evil dastardly like right. people mm -hmm. um but at the same time i thought the villains could have used a little bit more characterization sure um so and the whole thing just it feel it reads i guess to sort of be mildly hypocritical about about what i just said a minute ago it's like this doesn't really have any of those, like, larger societal allegory pieces that I really like from, like, um, Miyazaki films, um, for instance. War is bad. Exactly. Like, I, I love that stuff because it Meat gives it, like... good. <laughs> it gives it, like, a layer of, of, you know, real world, you know, backing and credibility. And, like, there's definitely some, like some lessons to be learned in here. There's definitely a few morals. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the most important moral in this story is to is for, like marry herself to be like you know oh i'm not really good at anything and then she goes to the magical world where she's like a genius at everything and is like getting all of this praise and all of this you know glory for being like totally unskilled just really lucky and then realizing at the end of the at the end of the film it's like no she had talents all along like she wasn't a total mess up, but she also wasn't like a perfect, brilliant, you know, prodigy either. She was somewhere in the in between, which is where you know most people are. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a good message to tell kids. Yeah. Um, but I've rambled on for a little bit. You can you can uh, voice your thoughts about the story, Tori. <laughs> um, I will raise you both to go back and watch this movie again and okay. pay very close attention to Tib. The black cat. Oh man, okay. that okay. I because completely forgot about Tim. for that little kitty to have no actual speaking lines, no I felt he had a very big personality oh, yeah. and felt. Oh, I agree. And felt just as much of a main character as Mary. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. um, and you know, sometimes I found myself paying more attention to Tim than Mary. He was certainly more interesting. <laughs> I mean, uh, just watching that 
that cat's eyes. I know. And just watching him just be like, like his little reactions to everything. And you know, when he was upset, like just the way he was like shaking mm-hmm. and all puffed up. Yeah. And, um, yeah. They were able to use a lot of, you know, they didn't do what a lot of films do, which is like, if they want to have a animal character, they just mm-hmm. make them talk. I was waiting for that. I kept yeah. waiting for that. Like the moment that she, um, that he threw the, uh, flower mm-hmm. the little flower mm-hmm. bell to mary i was expecting as soon as she crushed it for her to be able to like understand him and, right. like he could talk right but they never gave that to me and like the entire movie i kept going okay now okay now yeah i'm and, glad that they didn't do that yeah um so i i appreciated that mm-hmm. um as someone who you know really loves magical series and magical girls and things like and talking that cats. and talking cats mm-hmm. um but I don't know. I I thought the story was solid. It wasn't anything, um, like Andrew said, it wasn't anything, like, revolutionary. Um, But at the end, like, I thought the message came through um, that, you know, the director was speaking about at the end about um, how he wanted, you know, kids to watch this and be like, you know, all you have to do is make one small little change and then that, like, pushes you towards, you know the the road you want to be on to become right. a better person and right. i was like sitting there like trying not to tear up i was right. like oh no that's so so good right. so pure um but i i think it really brought together everything i love about like fantasy stories mm-hmm. um just all the cool like world building mm-hmm. and even though they didn't really explain um a lot uh, that went on within, like, the school. I was mm-hmm. just like, okay, where do I sign up now? Like, I want to go. <laughs> that was another thing. And I think mm-hmm. another criticism that I had about it, which was, I guess, just so so soon coming off of Little Witch Academia mm-hmm. and seeing the way that they characterized um, Luna Nova Academy, mm-hmm. I felt like this magic school was absolutely dead. Like, mm. it was empty. You never... You never heard any of the students interact. Or you never saw any of the students interact with any of the characters in any meaningful mm-hmm. way. They felt like it felt like watching like a recruitment video for a college, like yeah. at home, well, like in your room. <laughs> well, if you remember, I kind of like leaned over, leaned over to you at one point, and I was like, I feel like this is a really weird setup. Yeah, like it feels uncomfortable. Right, because I. <sighs> I caught on at least when the headmistress first sees Mary come up, she sees the marks on her palm. So I think she kind of knew what was mm-hmm. up. And so they were trying to like put on this like ruse for her basically to get her to come in so, you know, they could figure out what was actually going on with her. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's what they were trying to play. Maybe I'm giving this film too much credit. I don't know. Maybe so, but I mean, I, I don't know how that would interact with the fact that the, just the school, like, it just felt empty. Like, it felt like it had no personality. It was... Like, it had this interesting set. It's like going to Disney World and seeing no people. Like that's I what wish. it. No, that, but no, <laughs> yeah, it's that like that's awesome. that's really un, that's really unnatural. That's like yeah. a really strange feeling. Like, like it's not that's not what you expect. And like mm-hmm. like we all sort of felt in in right. those scenes. It's like well, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think too maybe it was just because you know Mary was so caught up in the moment because they were constantly like praising her and making her feel like you know she was really special mm-hmm. and like she could do everything. Like you know the one scene where she does the invisibility thing and she's mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah. That's 
that's probably about forty uh, percent of my power. Right. She had her like, little ego moment. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. She, you know, got a big head about it. So I, I think maybe they, like I said, I'm probably reading too hard into it, but I think, you know, she was so caught up in the moment that um, they were putting on this big show for her that she didn't really necessarily right away right. realize anything was wrong. The best part uh, that the, the best thing that the school gave me was the, uh, was the bodybuilding wizards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I mean, but I liked all of that. I thought those were really cool ideas. Like mm -hmm. seeing just you know, observing the way that the school was structured and, like, them going through it and touring it. It's like, these are all the cool things that we have to offer here at our magic school. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, it still feels like she's riding, like, an amusement park ride yeah. about a college rather than actually interacting with one. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it didn't feel like a school. It felt like... It felt really strange. Yeah. And, like, also, a going back a little bit to the world building, mm -hmm. I found it... One thing that a lot of the Ghibli films... Um, and a, a lot of, you know, films in general that have, like, successful world building is that there's a little bit more interaction between, like, the fantasy world and the reality world. Mm -hmm. And there was, like, absolutely none of that. No, yeah. I agree. I would have was... liked to have seen more of that. And it also felt so strange because the way that the film progresses it and, like, going through the scenes and all of that... You feel like this weird magical place is, like, just a stone's throw away from, like you know, rural Britain and this farming community. Mm -hmm. It's it, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel that far away and you'd feel you would think that this magical world would have a little bit more of effect on the real world. Maybe yeah. maybe not even in a large way, but it feels like they're totally separate even though they're mm -hmm. like right next to each other. I think yeah. uh, you said you said that that it fe that they felt like they were a stone's throw away. I don't necessarily agree. I think there was definitely a big disconnect there mm -hmm. because all the transition sequences where Mary is on the broom uh, they take a while, um, because, like, when she first flies up, she goes through those clouds and is yeah. there for a little bit. She sees the storm cloud, whatever, goes in the storm cloud, and there's all the, there's the island in there where she sees the sheep and whatever, and the, the school appears. Um, but I think that there's a, definitely a disconnect there. Um, mm -hmm. and I think they did that sort of to, like, pad the, uh, idea that mary thought she was in a dream for a little bit maybe maybe uh, but that would be sort of strange to do that but there's definitely a disconnect there and uh going back to the to the school it doesn't even really look like a school no um it looks like a some sort of church <laughs> i mean <laughs> like i mean so does hogwarts right yeah. and so like, does luna nova yeah uh-huh but once they once she first once when mary first goes in i'm just like what, this is a school. Welcome I mean, to Wizard the, Church. Where's where where are yeah. all the students? I mean, like yeah. yeah, I was and I was thinking that uh, I was thinking that uh, she was gonna be a uh, God. What's the word? Uh, what uh, what are humans called? What are regular humans called? In muggle. A muggle. Yeah, I thought she was gonna be a muggle and wasn't yeah. gonna be able to see anybody because there's like nobody out in this courtyard or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that would have been more interesting if she would have had to like fake her way through it. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I guess those were a few, like, environmental complaints I had and just mm -hmm. a few decisions that I thought made it feel a lot weirder than it should have felt. Right. Mm -hmm. It gave me an emotion that I didn't expect nor thought would be appropriate for those particular scenes. Yeah. 
I guess going back to characterization for a little bit and sort of sort of like the cat, but character like characterization without vocalization. I thought they did a great job in giving that broom a lot of personality. Yeah, yes. the broom did have <laughs> quite a bit of personality. Yeah, and that was really neat to see like this object that is you know typically in stories like this just portrayed to be like a tool, mm-hmm. just like an object mm-hmm. that witches use for you know just very utilitarian purposes. Actually, be like kind of a character yeah mm-hmm. like it, it bounced around it had a like a fun personality it was kind of like a kind of like magic carpet from uh, aladdin yeah, yeah. it made mm-hmm. that cute little noise anytime it yeah. like tapped mm-hmm. something right right i appreciate the fact that um in almost every story that involves uh young witches or warlocks or wizards or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them uh they all suck yeah. at riding a broom <laughs> yeah. right yeah. off the bat like it's just so funny that's just that's just gag comedy yeah um, yeah and it's it's easy yeah. and it and it always pays off like yeah. it, it just works yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> like there's that whole you know, extended scene and the first Little Witch Academia OVA where she's trying to ride the broom yes. and it's just a disaster. But, yeah. um, you know, it always works. But um, I do feel like a lot of my enjoyment of this film was, was curbed by a couple things. Mm-hmm. One, like, the whole movie just feels like a kid's book. And yeah. Well, because it is based I, yes, on a kid's right. book. <laughs> you're right. It is based on a children's book. Um, but I feel like in the same way that that Totoro doesn't write like appeal to me so much as an adult. Mm-hmm. This one also doesn't really do that that much because I I'm, I acknowledge the fact that this is not a movie that was made for me mm-hmm. and my demographic. Right. This right. is a movie yeah. that was made for kids. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know I can step back and enjoy it for what it is, but I think that compared to something like um, when Marnie was there, um that I think has a more universal appeal. Yeah. It, it seems to, like, the, the main character is older, the conflicts are a little bit more, you know, deeper, yeah. they're not quite as um, as simple, I guess. Um, and that appeals to more, uh, like, a bigger audience. And I right. think I got a lot of more emotional, like, fulfillment out of that. Mm-hmm. But this one was more just like, I'm going to sit and watch this, you know, fun, colorful movie. And it didn't really do anything for me emotionally. No. But I yeah. don't... I wouldn't want to knock that too hard because I know that I'm not yeah. I'm not the audience this movie was made for. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there like, God, I wish this were me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely that <laughs> element of like, you know, wish fulfillment in any yeah. like magical story. Absolutely. Or, especially. Like, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, just thinking back to like, I don't know. I think why I love stories like this so much is just like I go back to thinking about you know the very first time I ever saw Sailor Moon. And I'm just like, man, I wish I could do that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I would jump up in a heartbeat and, you know, go and defend the earth to be a magical girl Mm -hmm. or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So watching, watching stories like this, I kind of just put myself back into the mindset of, you know, me when I was much younger and just being so awestruck over magical things it plays on the heartstrings definitely of uh, just being smaller Mm -hmm. and being more i wouldn't say positive about life but just Mm -hmm. being more susceptible to perhaps fun things yeah and like adults who (laughs) like sad stuff you know like and i try and stay away from that mostly because Mm -hmm. you know i like 
you know, fun things, because I'm a fun boy. <laughs> I don't know. I like to suffer. <laughs> I guess one thing that kind of did resonate with me, and Andrew, you might you might feel some of this as sure. well, um, but whenever whenever I was growing up, like, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and, like, being around old people. So just the <laughs> fact that, you know, with the exception of Peter, like, um, Mary is surrounded by like the old people of her community and her great aunt that she spends a lot of time with. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought that was really relatable, especially because of, you know, my, I spent a lot of time with my grandma whenever I was super young and, um, she had a, you know, a semi opulent house, kind of like the one that Mary was staying in and a lot of like neat old stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And, um, just like being in that sort of rural, rural setting with old people just sort of it took me back to those moments and made me think about that just just a little bit yeah it was uh -huh. a neat little piece yeah like and uh the gardener just being very simple yeah and uh just goes goes out and does his job and mm -hmm. he's very good at it and then mary comes along and she's just <laughs> like can i please help by tying this flower to its stem and he was like yes sure little darling and then <laughs> And then she ties it together and ties it too tight and breaks it. And uh, what did he say? What was the line? He said something along the lines of, like, children and dogs mate for bad like, gardening. Aren't made for gardening. made for gardening. Yeah, yeah. something yeah, like that. that. something good. Yeah, and good he, I think that was a charming character. I had forgotten about him. I yeah. think he's not over-characterized, but he's definitely charming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a neat little fixture, and I think it's also interesting, and I haven't seen The Secret World of Arietti in a really long time, mm -hmm. so I can't remember if there's anything in that film like this, but it seems like probably the director also had a pretty... It seems like he's really interested in showing the relationships between uh, grandparents and grandchildren. And, it's mm -hmm. de and that's definitely a plot point in when Marnie was there. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. Like, that is basically what that film is about. Marnie was basically, um, I'm gay grandma. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, that's the whole, like, bait and switch a little bit. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it seems like he has this, you know, this you know interest in wanting to show that relationship and i think that's really cool mm -hmm. uh to show that because um you don't see a whole lot of grandparents in anime right um or like grandparent figure characters yeah. um OG and in this song. one it had that and uh create creates for a really awesome grandma once you like see the plot twist a little bit yeah, yeah. and uh, i thought that was kind of interesting and I know. and I'm, I'm really grateful Great for that scene yeah, and well, she's like a grand, a, a uh, like a Gra grandmother figure, grandmother figure. Mm -hmm. Right, like, it's that's what I mean. It's just the same type of relationship. Yeah, and um, just to see whenever sort of the backstory of the villains, you know, villains at quote lowercase v, sort of like get explained. Um, that really helped me understand and appreciate the story a little bit more yeah. for that that little touch of like history and world building. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and that that helped me a lot. Certainly. Um. And um, I do, I found it interesting and kind of delightful that they got, um, like, actual British voice actors yes. to play these characters yeah. rather than casting American actors to do British accents. Right. Um, except, well, except for Kate Winslet, but she did a fine job anyway. Yeah. Um, but Jim Broadbent as Dr. D was Incredible. great because mm -hmm. uh, I love Jim Broadbent's voice. He's mm -hmm. a fun actor. He's also in Harry Potter, right? I think he is. I'm pretty sure he's in Harry Potter. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, and um, 
just the girl that plays uh, Mary was delightful. Yeah, and the, very charming. Uh, the boy that plays Peter also did, good did a great yeah. job. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. It's a really good English dub. Um, if I pick up the Blu-ray, I'll make sure to watch it in uh, in Japanese to see mm-hmm. how that works. But yeah. mm-hmm. considering this was a story that takes place in in like fantasy Britain, yeah. it was uh, it was nice to hear like legitimate British voices in there too. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess that wraps up our conversation about the movie itself. Unless you guys have some other thoughts about it that you want to throw out there real quick. Uh, overall, I thought it was definitely just like a a sort of fun tale that you would sit down and show your kids as a good entry point to perhaps uh, other Ghibli films. Um, or just anime in general. Or anime in general, yeah, perfect, yeah. Because it touches on uh, a very positive meaning, and it is not necessarily too deep, perhaps for children, perhaps for younger children. I'm talking like nine, eight um, I don't know. I feel like you could show this movie to a five-year-old, and they'd probably think it was awesome. Ah, uh, yeah, you're definitely True. right. It definitely has appeal to uh, to that to to much younger children than perhaps say Spirited Away would. Yeah, Spirited um, Away might creep some five-year-olds out. Right, and definitely Howl's Moving Castle too. Yeah. Um, what, Tori? All right. <laughs> don't don't get don't get me wrong. I love that movie. Uh, but <laughs> definitely uh, a good entry point. Um. But uh, not necess- not necessarily uh, the type of film for a a deep deep like anime critic, I guess. Um, it's not Ghost in the Shell. No, certainly not, and it's not End of Evangelion. Um, <laughs> but definitely a fun movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, do you want to give your final thoughts on it, Tori? Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it again. Um later on after I have kind of sat on it for a while just to see if I pick up anything else on it. Um, words. Um, you think your sisters would like it? Most definitely. Yeah, they've seen a lot of Ghibli movies and um, they really enjoy those. So I, I can see them enjoying this for sure. Cool. Um I also think it's really funny, uh, and this is a totally just random little piece of trivia, but uh, the flower that Mary breaks is a chrysanthemum, and uh, the meaning in the flower language for chrysanthemums... flower. No! Uh. <laughs> is um, happiness and joy, which oh. I found really funny that, uh, you know, she was just really, really frustrated, and then she breaks the flower that's supposed to symbolize happiness and joy. And the gardener's like, dogs and children... <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that Gardner's happiness yeah. and joy was broken mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm like... Uh, but he really, was a good sport. There's a Japanese word for it, and I can't remember, but it's basically the language of flowers, and um, I find that to be uh, a big thing uh, in anime. There's a lot of symbolism with flowers and stuff. You in know where else flowers are? Where? The tiki room. <laughs> tangent but um yeah i thought that was an interesting little little tidbit that they went for there once again reading too deep into things that probably are only surface level but that's fine that's fine that's an important little detail i'm sure i mean because when it comes to animation like every single thing like 99 percent of the time everything is intentional Mm -hmm. yeah everything so they probably put that flower in there on purpose Mm -hmm. and if they didn't then they would just say yeah, we did. Yeah, that of course on we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
See, yeah, that was one thing that some of my film professors always said about anything that you were ever working on. It's like, if someone points out something positive about your film that you hadn't thought about, mm -hmm. take credit for it. All right. And say thank you. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Exactly. It's like, yes, that was intentional. Thank you. All right. Um, so, yeah, I guess that wraps up our conversation about this film um, as a film. But uh, Andrew did something uh, very kind um, I guess for <laughs> that, um, <laughs> for us, um, as members of third impact and for you guys who will, uh, hopefully, uh, come to some of our panels in the future at conventions or uh, participate in any of our Facebook giveaways. So go ahead and tell them, tell them what you've done. Andrew. Yeah. Um, so, uh, for going to the movie, each of us got one of the, hand, hand me one toward. Yeah. Uh, each of us got one of these uh, collectible tickets from Regal Cinemas. Uh, and they're these nice, like, cards that got Mary and the Witch's Flower on them. It's got the, it's got the date, and it's got a ticket number. Um, and these are all really nice. And then when we were leaving the theater, uh, I saw that they, uh, they had some left. So, uh, so I went up to the guy, and, uh, and I was like, do you mind if I take a few of these since it's the last showing it's only showing today and he was like yeah sure so i got out a stack and i picked them up and i looked at austin and tori and i said well, is this enough do you think this should be enough for us and then uh and then i turned back around and i was like well since i've already taken an inch i guess i'll take a mile and i said can i have the entire box and uh apparently his manager well yeah his manager was behind him and uh she was like yeah, sure. You can uh, you can have the entire box. So I just picked up the entire box and left. So if you ever come to a panel of mine or any of us in Third Impact, uh, I will certainly these will certainly be giveaways, and they're very nice. Uh, post post a picture out of it on on Twitter. Oh, Sorry, so so yeah, everybody can see sure. it. Uh, mm -hmm. And they're really nice. They're really they're really cool. Nice little collector's item for going to the movie. And uh, yeah, sure. I think I have about a hundred and seventy of them. Yeah, so uh, we'll be giving those away at panels for the foreseeable you know, future. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So thank, thank you for a quick thinking on that one, Andrew. Yeah, uh -huh. And yeah. they're all individually numbered, which I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, look out for that and make sure to come to our panels or participate on any of our giveaways. Sure. Um, we'll be we'll be throwing one in with uh, Cowboy Bebop the movie whenever we send out that that uh, giveaway. So I guess that's it for our show. You guys got anything else? No. No, I'm good. All right, cool. So this is a pretty short episode, but we wanted to make sure and uh, get out our thoughts related to uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower. Um, I hope you guys get a chance to go see it in the theaters, because the more that we all go out and support anime with our pocketbooks, uh, the more awesome anime movies we'll get over here. And um, so, yeah, definitely if this film is playing in your area, because I think it opens up to a wide release like sometime within the next week or so, like right. it'll be in uh, general theaters. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's staying just a fan that Fathom event, but I could be wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. I'd have to double check myself on that one, but I, I'm pretty sure that it is. Um, I might be wrong, like I said, but I hope I'm not wrong because uh, this is definitely a movie that's worth to go, worth going to see. Uh, in the theaters, bring your kids, bring your grandma, um, yep. bring your grandma's kids, bring your exactly. grandma's kids, yeah, <laughs> which would be your parents, <laughs> bring your friends, old people, young bring people, bring the entire retirement home, tall people, yeah. short people, exactly, just as long as they pay money, yeah. <laughs> and I tried to get a student discount on the ticket, they didn't take it, but Not funny, for Fathom events. funny thing is, um, my movie pass covered the entire amount except three dollars. Mm. 
Okay. So, uh. <laughs> nah, that's weird. I guess they just hate students. I don't think you can use student discounts on Fathom events. That's fine. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's our show, guys. And thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, this has been another exciting episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TI underscore anime. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash third impact anime. And you can also find us on our website where we're doing weekly uh, series reviews for this currently airing season of anime, including Pop Team Epic, Darling in the Franks, the Junji Ito Collection, uh, Laid Back Camp, and what are you doing? Mitsuboshi Colors, yeah. a whole bunch of other shows. Uh, so we've got you know full, almost full coverage of that season. And um, Andrew, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at toaster underscore Mike. Uh, uh, that's it. That'll really, do. that's it. Uh, so just follow me on Twitter if you want to watch somebody complain about sports ball <laughs> and uh, occasionally post about anime, I guess. And where can they find you, Tori? Um, you can find me on Twitter at WorstWaifu, uh, screaming into the void uh, every hour on the hour. <laughs> not and... not to be confused with Carissa G from Anime World Order, who is at Worst Girl. Oh, we need to meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Um, and yeah, you can find me at Bebop Shock. That's Bebop as in Cowboy Bebop and Shock as in Bioshock. I should start saying that because that, that sounds a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead yeah. of trying to spell it all out because then I just sound like a dummy. Yeah. But well, anyway. You, know. you do that all the time. Oh, I know. All right, guys. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.